This episode of With Love and Justice for All is brought to you by Bliss Books and Wine. Bliss Books and Wine is an independent black-owned bookstore for wine enthusiasts and book lovers. Listed as one of the black-owned bookstores in America that amplify the best in literature by OprahDaily.com, Bliss Books and Wine is your go-to for all your favorite titles, including ebooks and audiobooks. And when we buy from black-owned businesses, we are helping to create a world of racial equity. When ordering online, use the code 846BOOK for a 10% discount. That's 846-B-O-O-K for a 10% discount at blissbooksandwine.com. Exploring the healing and culture building practices of embodied anti-racism. This is With Love and Justice for All with Reverend Ogan Holder and Reverend Kelly Isola. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 28 of With Love and Justice for All. I am Reverend Ogan Holder with my partner in crime and consciousness, Reverend Kelly. How are you doing today, Reverend Kelly? I'm doing pretty good. I'm really looking forward to today. Yes, today we have a good, good topic. We're talking about decolonizing education mm. and uh, very timely for all the nonsense that's going on in the world, um, especially in our in, in these United States. Um, yeah. So if you happen to be we mute, use the term united loosely. <laughs> well, we're geographically united. Yeah. Okay. Except for Hawaii and Puerto Rico. They're not technically and uh okay you're right we do use the term loosely i didn't, didn't think it all the way through well i was it. thinking politically <laughs> seems like we're we're becoming right you know, and i was united exactly that's why i was trying to remind that the literal interpretation still applies but apparently it doesn't after all yeah. after all so uh, anyways if you're new to this podcast um, please know that we are here on the to have conversations around embodied anti-racism and dismantling oppression, and we often work in the special challenges that arise as spiritual seekers and in spiritual communities. We're both clergy. You picked that up from the reverend. I didn't need to explain that. That was redundant. Listen, yeah. listen y'all, I've been having a week, okay? I've been having a week. I may mention what the week's about <laughs> on the show, but I've been having the week. So I'm a little distracted. That's that's why. Um, so um, if you do want to join in on the conversation with us, you can find us on all the social medias. Uh, our handle is at Get Our Holy On. And if you're listening to this podcast, the audio, um, on your phone, your device, the website, Podbean, whatever. Please know that we uh, broadcast the recording live when we do record on Facebook. And I think that's generally Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. Eastern. Right. I think we're going to stick with that. We had some discussion around if we were going to stick with that time or not. <laughs> or rather, I had some discussion with myself around it. Apparently, <laughs> Kelly was like, no, we, we're doing three. What's yeah, so we don't know. It could be different next week. It could be. It could be different. And yes. And if you want to share thoughts and jump in on the discussion in real time, that's how you can do it uh, on on Facebook uh, while we are recording. So, yes, today uh, we're talking about decolonizing education. And um, if the term decolonizing <clears throat> decolonization is a little bit of a, a foreign concept to you, um, here is it in a nutshell. I'll give you the nutshell and then Kelly can crack the nut open and maybe <laughs> give you a little more detail. I have a mess spell out. 
you know, you know, uh, uh, you know, tease it out a little bit more. You know, I, I take the less is more approach. Uh, so, so, so basically <clears throat> colonization is not just something that, you know, uh, European nations did to countries around the world four or 500 years ago. Um, that's, that's when it started. And basically all the negative, um, horrible, um, what do you call it? Uh, um, characteristics of colonization continue to exist in some way, shape or form today. Uh, most, most uh, obviously uh, we talk about white body supremacy, cultural norms and racism. That is the most, I guess, blatant form of how colonization continues to exist. But but they're, they're, they're offshoots and tendrils of that. And, and we've internalized some of those qualities within us and they look different ways. Um, we've been doing, a, we've actually been doing um, on our Instagram live uh, a series. And we talked about classism. We talked about uh, racism. We were uh, talking about intersectionality. We we're going to do one on ableism. Like all of those are ways that the, that the, the OG colonizing um still exists today i said i was gonna give you the nutshell i feel like that was that was a little bit longer than a nutshell but it's not a nutshell topic it's not a nutshell topic exactly so or it's a freaking huge nut right exactly so decolonizing is about undoing those uh practices both the conscious and the unconscious ones i'll stop there what more look (laughs) you want to you want to tease that out some more well, it's just, you know, colonialism and colonization is when one, there's, you know, there's one power that subjugates, um, you know, a nation that subjugates a group that, um, you know, conquers, that just takes, you know, right. kind of moves in and takes. Yeah. Um, like right now, <laughs> we have a, you know, Putin trying to march across Ukraine. Yes, that, that's a colonization thing. It's just yes. moving in to exploit, to force um, yeah. subjugation, to force surrender, to force its own, you know, yeah. belief, its own language, its own cultural values, its own government, its own whatever. When you um, when you roll in to claim a land in which people already exist, on which yeah. people already exist, <laughs> and you claim it in the name of somebody else. Yes, that's 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 the beginning of the colonization process. But then you're right uh, um, in um, um, bringing in um, standards and norms. You know, we talk about we talk about whiteness being the 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 quote unquote established norms um, and more specifically white male heteronormativeness as as the standard, as the norm. Well, that's 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 a, a, I guess, a descendant of the OG colonization when it was European, white European men who sailed the ocean and decided to, you know, claim the land. And yeah, for, um, you know, from Portugal, from Spain, from the Netherlands, um, France, uh, France, Great Britain, there's five, there's actually five biggies, yes, sort of the five, um, um, countries, but yeah, they just, they set sail. And I mean, we even have, even using the term discovered yeah what do you mean you discovered you didn't discover anything. yeah there were there were already people there yes yeah so but just that so colonization is that um yeah just the coming in you know um and there's all kinds of um you know characteristics um around colonization which is that 
um, one, the subjugation of someone else, that that those coming in are the, um, you know, you set up that caste system, you set yeah. up the the hierarchy, the value system, the you set up the um, ours yeah. is the right way. Yeah, and, the conquered are inferior. Yeah, and, and how do we... Um, you know, assimilate you into ours. Resistance so, is futile. Yes. So we have, you know, like uh, indigenous of, of North America, Canada and, and the mm-hmm. U.S. and, you know, it's, um, and, and Central America, you know, taking indigenous people and putting them in schools, in boarding schools and, you know, and trying to breed, you know, uh, their lineage out of, um, yes. Trying to get rid of, you know, destroy the language, destroy um, the yes. d- all elements of their culture, food. Um, We're going to uh, educate the Indian out of you. Is the yes, uh, is, and breed the, and breed them and breed you out. Yes. Um, so that's um, it's a really uh, uh, it's that's why it's not a nutshell topic. No, uh, no, it's no, it's no, it's not. And and um, I mean, uh, as we are going to do on on most uh, episodes, well, every episode is the plan, um, and we talk about headlines and how how this stuff is showing up in our society today. You know, to to tease that a little bit, this is this is what all the um, the laws are being passed in various states to not teach. Um, critical race theory even though it's technically not being taught what that's it's not being taught what that is is a catch-all for we don't want we're going to pass laws so that you don't talk about actual history and we don't want to be made uncomfortable by the facts of our of our past uh the best meme i saw that summed it up was it's like um what was it the the, the folks who try to stop Ruby Bridges from going to school now don't want the grandkids to know that they try to stop Ruby Bridges from going to school. Yep. Um, so, so that's, that's sort of what, what's happening. There's an, there's an effort to do that. And, and when we talk about decolonizing education, we have to, we, we got to look at how a lot of these, as we talk about norms, the white supremacy norms, the colon, the colonization norms have worked their way into into our spaces or education spaces or classrooms or school systems. And um, yeah, what can we maybe start to do about that? Well, first we got to even admit that it's there. Yeah. <laughs> How about well, we start there? Yeah. That's always the, um, yeah. I think that's one of the biggest challenges that we have is one, even admitting um, what exists and what does decolonization even mean? Well, let's start there. What does it mean? Well, okay, good point. Good place. It's it's decolonization is in part uh, reflecting on the structures that are in place because um, the the structures, the beliefs, the practices, the the consciousness, the paradigm that you're already <clears throat> in, you have to see them right and as you just said, you have to um, even admit that they're there and you have to see them, and then you have to. And, and reflect on them in the sense of, okay, what exactly does this mean? How am I contributing to it? Not the spiritual bypassing kind of reflection where you just navel gaze and, oh, I'll take that into reflection and then you don't do anything. But it's reflecting so you can see where your role is in the, in 
actually colonization, like keeping the system going. So decolonization is looking at the structures themselves, seeing the role you play individually, collectively, and then um, changing the behavior, which is the hardest part. Changing the behavior that um, one either points to what are colonial practices. And here, you know, you hear you and I, Ogan, we, we use the term white body supremacy cultural norms um, because there are norms of, we've all been socialized to, um, you know, shoot for perfection and production and outcome. And, um, you know, the way that we, you know, capitalism, right, is a, is a good example of white capitalism, I, I really should say, is a colonizing um, entity. So, so how do we decolonize that? Well, I have to see what my practices are. I have to even understand the system itself. Right. But um, so we're going to, we're talking about education. And the reason I was so um, um, excited about this is because, because I do a lot of teaching and yes. I teach, I teach within seminaries and yes. um and I just just so um, uh, so 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 let's 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 go there. Yeah. Um. So so what do you notice as a teacher? And I used to I used to have my hand in the whole teaching thing. And God bless you for still staying in it. I, <laughs> I ain't got that. I ain't got that kind of patience. Life is too short. Um. So, yes, you you as a as a teacher and a consistent teacher, what what do you notice or how do you notice or what what do you see that needs to be decolonized i think maybe that's the that's the best way can i can ask other than everything well uh sure we ain't got that kind of time (laughs) i know i know but but so what are are some of maybe the most blatant ones that oh i got it what are some of the most blatant ones that people don't notice the most does that does that make sense yeah um give me some well well let me just you know back out just a little bit and in terms in terms of our education system here in the US um largely it's uh it's an incredibly insidious um system that mm-hmm. really is designed to be as Robin D'Angelo calls it a sorting mechanism yes and so the sorting mechanism where it sorts children into unequal places in society because and not um, like in the cute sword and hat harry potter no way. not in the not, harry potter sorting hat kind of way not, not um, like that at all and and uh, and all right you keep talking i'll tell you, i'll tell you about barbados because that's that the sorting that happens yeah. there is pretty bad too so you know and it becomes obvious when um you know parents will go to any lengths to get their child into the school that they want right mm-hmm. and and the schools and if you look at at where and how that's happening it's in the the white suburban um you know middle class upper middle class and higher that's where the schools are that parents are willing to drive all over town or the county or whatever to make sure that their child gets in that school and because those schools for the most part employ white teachers who came out of white schools um, it just, you know, it's so homogenous, the, um, the population of, of staff, of faculty, of, you know, uh, boards, superintendents, you know, is mostly white, 
and teachers that grew up in white neighborhoods and went to mostly white schools and and were educated by mostly white people. And that's just the teachers. Yeah. So, and you know. And the other piece of that, as we know here in the United States, um, school funding is tied to property taxes. Yes. Right. So so the quote unquote uh, better neighborhoods, um, a.k.a. whiter neighborhoods and suburban neighborhoods that have better value and higher property taxes will uh, have better school funding and better schools. And what we have then is this this uh, drain of or people who are trying to who who escape try to escape the places that um, have lower property values um, and you can read into that what it what it really is um, uh, folks who are economically uh, disadvantaged um, which tends to be again black and brown people not uh, and it tends to be that way because the system was set up that way um, and, and therefore it's like, those are, those are the bad schools. Those are the failing schools, um, especially mostly in, in urban centers. Um, and you know, it's, 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 it's a system that, that continues, continually perpetuates itself in, in that way. We've yeah. got to, we've got to, you know, one of the ways we can decolonize this whole thing is to separate the funding of schools from the property values and the property taxes. Yep. So where we really wind up just, um, you yeah. know, it's we're perpetuating. You exactly. Know, we're- because, because let's be clear back to your sorting thing. We, when, when we have neighborhoods and, and homes of a certain value, what we're saying is we know who we want to live here. Right. And therefore we know who we want to our children to go to school with. Um, and and then what happens is you know that that becomes the the quote unquote standard and norm. So when people say they're looking for a good school, you know that's sort of code for we want sort of like an upper middle class white neighborhood. At least that's where we want to start. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so yeah, it's a. <clears throat> and that's that. not yeah, and that's not even looking at curriculum. It's not looking exactly. at testing. It's not yeah. looking at you're bringing up the funding, you know, tracking anything. I mean, it's not even, not even addressing any of that. So, um, so coming back to, um, uh, you know, your original question, you know, some ways that, that we um, don't, and this is within the the education system that I'm in, which is um, for unity uh, ministerial training and, um, and those what, not just ministerial training, but, um, just education, you know, within unity, um, uh, teaching, you know, people that want to be teachers. Uh, so, so one very simple thing is, um, a a decolonization practice that does not go on. And, and I've been guilty of this myself. I've had to, to retrain myself, you know, that when beginning a class, um, and, and this also has gotten a little problematic, inviting the students to um, acknowledge the land that they're on, doing a land acknowledgement. And just by doing a land acknowledgement, meaning whose land are you sitting on? Whose land are you dialing in from? Because it isn't yours. There was somebody that lived there before you. But, but Reverend Kelly, why would that be problematic? <laughs> so the reason it's it's become problematic because in some ways it's become performative. Mm. Um, so let me do the nice, the nice white thing and let's make sure we 
we all um, acknowledge the land that we're from um, and uh, not the land that we're from, but the land that there was somebody living here before white bodies came in and, and, and plopped themselves down. (laughs) Yes. Stole it. So, so that's, but that's a practice that, and not, and it's not everybody, it's not problematic everywhere. It's, but it is something that if, when you do that, it's noticing, okay, has this become just perfunctory? Right. You know, if I'm going to open a class and invite people to acknowledge one, if they don't know, well, okay, so now you need to go find out. So just even, even not knowing is a colonizing state of mind. Mm. Um, And it's not meant to blame and it's not meant to shame. It's, it's to, you know, it's an awareness thing. It's an awareness. Yes. That, that you're not, you know, that even though we have a country that says the white body is the norm, the standard from which everything else is measured, not, it's not true, but it is what we do. So, um, so that's one thing. The other thing is about pronouns. Mm. We do not invite people in classes at the very beginning. Like these are things you do at the beginning uh, to invite people to change their name and put their pronouns like here on zoom. You know, if you're in person, you do it a little bit differently, but you still invite people to say their pronouns. And that is, um, a, you know, to not do that, you're assuming that everybody is, you know, heteronormative, cisgender, you know, yeah. they're, you're assuming everybody's identity is the same. Yes. Yeah. Or, and that I can tell, I can tell by looking at you, mm. you're, you know, you would want she or her pronouns. Right. Exactly. 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 Yeah. I can just, again, just hear some folks of a certain generation. Why? What, why? I gotta, I gotta learn all them convoluted pronouns. Right. Well, it's when you're thinking that it's a, um, a binary system, exactly. thinking something is a binary system is an example of colonizing thinking. It's this or like, it's this little box. Yes. This right? or that, gonna right put, or wrong. Right. And we're going to put yeah. you in a box. Yes. Um, there's even, um, um, I mean, even things in how, how we connect with each other, how we talk to each other, how we engage each other. Um, there is a, um, there's often, um, you know, if you have a class set up from, you know, this time to this time, there's generally a, okay, here's what we're going to do. Like, here's the structure of it. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's all the, the articles you need to read. Here's the videos you need to watch. And here's the homework assignment to come to class prepared. And this is where it can get tricky is I'm not suggesting students not, you know, read, not watch videos, not do homework. And are we taking into account? So here I am sitting in my class, right? It's Thursday night at 630. Um, are we taking students lived experiences into account for what they're bringing to the space for who they're mm. bringing to the space? Um, we're not. Yeah. So that's, I mean, I could go on and on and on and on. Um, so, so one of the, <clears throat> one of the things you mentioned um that you kind of uh, skated by, which is huge, is 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 the whole testing thing, right? Yeah. Um, the how we have based the standard of intellect, yes, 
on certain tests and benchmarks. And I was teaching in schools during that glorious heady time of no child left behind. That's really what got me out of teaching because um, that, that was a shit show. Um, But um, let me tell you a little bit about what happens in Barbados and many Caribbean islands um, that were once British territories is that um, at 11 years old, all the children take an exam and from the results of that exam, we are sorted for the rest of our secondary education. So basically at 11 years old, it's called the 11 plus exam. Um, It was once, it was once uh, curated. Is that the word you curate an exam? Do you, do you, What's the word for when you manage and administer? Administer. There we go. Tell you had a week. Uh, it was once administered uh, by by the British education system. Then we became an independent nation, and then we decided, hey, let's just do it ourselves. Let's continue. Let's continue this colonizing practice of sorting um, and placing value based on intellect. And so it's still a practice to this day, even though there's some movements to do away with it. But what happens is that at 11, we take an exam and based on the results of that exam determines which secondary school we go to. Um, so think, um, and that's, that's basically from 11 through 18. Wow. Is, is the school that we go to based on that, the results from that one exam, the schools are ranked. Right. So so the kids with with the highest, um, um, you know, test scores go to the one school and then you work your way down. So basically at 11 years old. You take a test that sort of brands you. Wow. For and the rest. You're, and there's no getting out. There's no getting out uh, later. Wow. I mean, many years later, you do have the rare instance of some people transferring to other schools, but that's basically transferring uh, horizontally. So like, you know, if, if I, if I went to the best school, I could transfer maybe to the second best or from second best to best based on how I did. But, but if wow. I was like in like school ranked number 20, I'm not, I'm not transferring up to you know, the, the, the top school. So, so what it does is there's a whole element of shaming that comes along with that. Right. Wow. Um, and judgment now and pressure, for example, um, I took that exam as every 11 year old does when you're in Barbados and I scored enough to get into the best secondary school. It's called Harrison college. It was, and this is where oh. all the, the brightest kids went. Um, and the, the elementary school that I was in before I happened to be quote unquote, the brightest kid. And when I say I was the brightest kid, what I, what that really means is I was a good test taker. I was a, had good memory and I could regurgitate information because that's basically what the test was, right? Can you, uh, can you learn information and regurgitate it? And I used to be really good at that, but, but you know, when one's the big fish in a small pond and then one goes to the ocean, it's a whole different story. So now I'm in the school with people who are, quote unquote, intellectually smarter than I am. And now there is a pressure to compete. There's a pressure to do better. There's a pressure to fit into this mold of academics that really eh, was not was not ultimately my strong suit. Right. 
Now, the, the other problem that comes along with that is then <clears throat> the kids that score much lower and go to schools that aren't as valued, then there's less effort and attention paid to their education, you know? So the kids label the stupid and dumb. We'll just like push them on, get them on through. They're going to, you know, go get some ridiculous menial job uh, when they're done. We we're not going to devote the time and attention to them as we would someone who went to a better school. So there's a lot of judgment and shaming that comes with that at 11 years old. And the pressure yeah. that is put on kids leading up to this exam is like horrible. It's scarring. It's, it's like, you need therapy when you're, <laughs> when you're done with what you go through yeah. after, after this. Right. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a whole thing. So, yeah. So that happens and still happens uh, to this, to this day, a judgment and value is based on this person at 11 years old, based on one exam. And if you happen to be having a bad day, God help you. Right. Well, that's how we got Christianity. One bad day in the life of this guy, Jesus. <laughs> oh, just saying. Just saying. That's that. Good point. Good. Good. Good point. Yeah. Well, I, like it doesn't. Uh, wow, it doesn't get like more white than that. Like, right. You, exactly. There's no space to have a bad day. Exactly. You're put into this box. Exactly. Exactly. You're. Yeah. 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 Still got still got nightmares about that. But anyways, um, and so now here uh, in the U.S., you know, there's still there's still that there's still the value for the most part on the intellect. Right. Oh, God. Yes. And 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 the intellect, it's it's not it's not the only intelligence that there is. Right. Anyone who's been in learning education for half a minute. I don't know. Uh, is 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 Gardner's seven intelligences still 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 a thing, or is that outdated eight. at this point? No, I teach it all the time. Oh, there's eight. Thought there were seven. There's eight. It's been a while. It's been a while. No, it's part of. It is so. So this is an interesting segue, or it's actually connected. Is yes, there is multiple intelligences. There's, you know, there's um, musical intelligence there's kinesthetic intelligence there's logical intelligence there's so there's these eight eight intelligences of howard gardner and uh it is so in you know i teach it in in one of my classes i know that in and this is the ministerial um the uh masters of divinity program i know that there's in another class an education theory and practice that it's taught but here's the challenge is it's just it's presented as here's this and um, this is how you should be teaching. And then you're presented with it. The challenge I find is I don't see anybody doing it. Yeah. There's that. Well, what um, we, what we end up gravitating to and also guilty as charged, what we end up gravitating to is either a, what's easiest for us or what our learning style is. <laughs> right? Yeah. What's most comfortable for us. Absolutely. Exactly. How do, how do I learn? That's how I'll teach. Right. And what system do I have to use? Right. right. There's that and too. is this in person or is this online? And if it's online, do I know a student's access to to the Internet? Do I know a student's access to, you know, am I creating a sense of academic belonging? Yeah. Well, for unity, no, because you have to use this one system that is you can't even do music. Easy so now. I'm not, Easy now. Don't bite the hand that feeds you. 
I know, but it's, but but to your I mean, to your to your point to your point to your point about like internet access, right? You know, mm-hmm. COVID happens, school shut down, and they're like, "Oh, we'll just move it all online." Shocked to find out, not everybody has high speed broadband, right? You know, and and then that became a whole thing. But why don't they have broadband? We just made all these assumptions yep. around access. Yep. Well, and the um assumption around access and um and even even if there is access what's the gadget that you have that to access right right and what have i set up as the instructor how am i navigating you know um you know in my syllabus and in the reading assignments or if i got videos or you know going online to do i mean uh, I have to have multiple things in place as an instructor to to provide, you know, what's mm-hmm. called academic belonging so that I'm always cultivating a student's sense of belonging, a student's ability to see themselves right. in the class, to see themselves in the course, to see themselves in this broader community of students and or discipline that they may not physically see. Mm-hmm. But I have to, what am I doing to, to, to help create that? And I don't, and so this is part of decolonizing education is to do that, which means more work for me. Right. Um, it's, you know what, I, I shouldn't even say it that way. It's not more work. It's more education for Kelly. It's more, um, how do I, how do I imagine at, without the intellect? But but that could mean more work, but that doesn't make it a bad thing. <laughs> yes, it does. Well, I know that's correct. And the only reason I shy away from the word work is because I can already hear oh, something else to do. Yes, something else to do. Yeah. Because, because, when do we you want to dismantle racism or not? Well, we do. We just don't want to have to work. It's just that too hard. inconvenient. <laughs> we just don't want to. We don't have right. to work that hard. But prop. But 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 part of the part of the not wanting to work that hard is is that yes, and the inconvenience is yes. It is. It this is uncomfortable, and we just like a break from it sometimes. And to that, I say, well, you know, they're great self care retreat programs. Go go do that part of you know self-care is part of this journey as as well because 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 the sort of the irony and the paradox if we can put those two together in is that yes this always takes concerted effort and at the same time one of those supremacy norms is is the sense of urgency to get it done now yeah right so 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 how do we how do we marry those two and and we saw that we we've seen that when you know and, and we've talked about this before that that sense of excitement or or eagerness or energy shortly after 2020 when when you know George Floyd was murdered and all of white America suddenly realized oh wait what we didn't get rid of racism when we elected barack obama we have an issue we have to fix it now so there was this there was a zest it was a zeal and then within a year or so it's like oh we're tired mm-hmm. we haven't fixed it yet right yeah oh the the the, the enormity kind of hit folks and a lot of folks are kind of like yeah all right Energy is waning. Enthusiasm is waning. I don't want to talk about this all the time. I don't want to hear about this all the time sort of deal. And and for some folks, it's like, oh, no, that 
I feel that way. And I realized that that being able to take a break from it is indeed a hallmark of my privilege. So let yeah. me let me take care of myself and still stay engaged. It's not it's not an either or uh, uh, sort of situation, which again we've talked about is the binary, right? Either or. Now it's 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 the both and. It's all it's all the it's all the above. So so the decolonizing um, it's it it's both an internal and an external practice. And that internal piece of it again is um, to your point. How how am I perpetuating the colonization by by not addressing these things by choosing not to do the extra work or go the extra mile? Um, and so there's no there's no neutral ground here. No, no, yeah, no. My my silence. I mean, my silence says complicit. Mm-hmm. I'm complicit. I mean, even the um, uh, we've talked about this before that um. And so, so in any class you take with me, it doesn't matter what it's called. Racism is going to come up. White privilege is going to come up. We're going to, you know, there are practices we are going to do. There's conversations we're going to have. I'm going to point to systems and behaviors and thoughts that, that, that are, that just contribute to being aware and let's choose something, you know, how do, what does that mean? How am I adding to it? And, um, and just continued learning, mm-hmm. even if, and so this is one of the places that, that I get all worked up is um, because I, I, you know, why do you always have to talk about race? Uh, Cause why are you not, you know, is kind of my question. And if you um, basically what happens in, and I see this across the board and in, in you know, education that I'm involved in is if the topic of the class is not about racism, mm. then we just don't talk about it. Yeah. And yeah. So, you know, and, and yet it, we don't live in a vacuum. It's like right in front of us. Right. Um, it's right in front of our face. It's uh, yeah. So, um, and there's so, a, there are so many ways to, to shift this, but it's, it's a long haul, right? It's a then, long haul shift. Then you mentioned getting all worked up. So let's take a break. Yes, please. And let you let you catch your breath. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, please. And when we when we come back, we'll we'll talk about some of those long haul ways and some of the red flags. And and then we'll also hit some headlines. So uh yeah. uh don't go anywhere. Uh we will be right back. In order to advance racial equity, there is work for white people and people of color to do together and separately. The Project Sanctus Affinity Groups provide safe spaces for people to work within their own racial and ethnic groups. Join us every first and third Wednesday of the month at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Zoom for brave, vulnerable conversations and for building culture through engaging embodied practices. For more details and registration, visit projectsanctus.com.
Welcome back to episode 28. This is With Love and Justice for All. We are talking about decolonization of education. Um, and again, as we mentioned before we went to break, both an external practice and an internal practice, not one you're going to do overnight. Uh, and as we went to break, uh, you mentioned, Kelly, that it's sort of, sort of a long haul um, sort of experience. And I, and I, and I think the long haulness is, is what turns a lot of people off. Um, but as I forget, I forget where this saying comes, <clears throat> comes from, but maybe it's a Buddhist saying, I don't know, but says the wise man is the one who plants the tree knowing that he will not experience the shade of it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so we're, we're doing, we're doing this yes for ourselves, but more specifically for future generations. And we are incredibly you know, short-sighted people. I blame yep. Facebook and Amazon, um, but that's a that's a whole that's a whole other conversation, which yeah. I'm sure we'll have someday. We'll we'll, we'll have someday. Um, oh yeah, as we speak, segue as we speak. Apparently, Elon Musk has bought Twitter. What could yep. possibly go wrong? Right. Yeah. With with a super rich white man, <laughs> So now, so let's just be clear. We've got a super rich white man who will now be in charge, pretty much exclusively of twitter we've got one exclusively in charge of facebook and yep. instagram yep. Uh, we've got rich white man um being basically the in charge of retail amazon yep, yep. um yeah oh okay i'm going not splendidly. feeling very hopeful <laughs> going, going splendidly going uh, splendidly yeah let's let's well, let's put some gas on this whole decolonization thing <laughs> no kidding well i went and uh, uh, yeah, anyway, that's a different topic. So we're, we have an episode coming up that's about uh, decolonizing, you know, online. Oh, we do? Uh, okay, yes, awesome. Do. I mean, yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just, you just don't remember. Um, yeah. That's it's okay. been a week. It's been a week. All right. So, okay. so, so let's look at some, uh, you're talking about the long haul uh, yeah. of this and, and, and what are some things that we, we, we have to watch out for as we're doing this, this, this long work of decolonization. Well, it's, we have to, uh, we have to change what we, so when I say we, I'm, I'm talking about teachers and I'm talking about those, you know, in charge of educational systems. Um, mm-hmm. We have to, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is fucking unclench. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, that's so graphic, but that's that's what comes to mind. It's just it's unclenched that there's this, there has to be this specific way, and your syllabus has to look this particular way. And you know, I'm not opposed to branding and I'm not opposed to having things organized. It's the it's the holding on so tight. Like when I design a class, I have a deadline, I have to get material in. Once I do that, whoosh, nothing. You can't change anything not allowed to. And I'm like, that's not, that's a, that's a, that's a quintessential colonizing mind. So decolonizing the mind actually is um, to, so when I say unclench, some of that is decolonizing your thinking. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's let's elevate, let's elevate dynamic steering. (laughs) Yeah. Flexibility. Yeah. Um, Right. Uh, because the, and, and especially so one of the things to, that part of decolonizing um, uh, education is being able to use what's going on in a student's world and bring it into the class. 
So if you have me rigidly tied to something or, or even, and not that I can't bring that into a class, but if I can, can't change up, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not talking about every week, students need to plan reading and things like that and assignments. But if I can't have the capacity to change out, you know, the, the assignments, mm-hmm. you know, once in a while, um, then I'm not serving the students. I, I'm just not part of, um, um, you know, of decolonizing education is, is engaging the students. Right. And so that means they all have, I need to give the space so that we all know our different identities, our different strengths. Um, so, but what we have a tendency to do is, um, is, is just, um, you know, here's what is and have everybody, like you said, you know, you're 11 years old. Okay. There you go in the box. Yeah. Um, so, um, it's, it's adding some flexibility. It's, it's, you know, one of the, um, um, you know, am I, am I doing this is what we're doing really to support the student Mm -hmm. and there's no one way to do that, you know, or is it keeping a system going? And for the most part, what I experience is let's keep the system going. Yeah. Um, so I do what I can to, you know to move within that. Um, but the reason it's a long haul is because you're talking about changing, you're talking about a system, right? Right. You're talking about having to, you know, it's turning a battleship. Um, and there's lots of uncertainties. There's lots of, it's complex. It's, um, um, you know, there's, well, you know, change within an organization, like think of the churches you've served, there's, there's pushback, there's grief, there's, but, but there's uncertainty. That's one of the biggest challenges I think we have in decolonizing education is we're not willing to go into the uncertainty. Yeah. We, we want to know, and we want to know we're doing it right. That's right. We want to know we're doing it right. And that there's a, here's the output that we're going to have. And here's the, here's when grades are due. And again, I'm not saying it's not an either or. Uh, right. You gotta have grades, and but meritocracy. No, not necessarily. Okay, just... meritocracy. I know. I it was soon. It was still in the word bubble, and I thought, no, not really. Um, but meritocracy is a mascot of white privilege. Yeah, yeah. They are there are systems out there that don't rely on grades, and the children do just fine. Yep. Looking at you, Montessori. Looking at you. Uh, uh, what's the other one? Uh, just about to say, had a brain for it. I don't know. What's the one where the teachers like as the, oh, as the students go up in grades, teachers go Waldorf. Like said, Waldorf. There you go. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Waldorf, you know, so the, there's there are systems out there that, that don't rely on exclusively and wholly on academics and, yeah. and grades. So so if you're if you're a teacher, you're an institution, um, here here are some things you might want to consider if you're like, all right, so how do we start on this decolonizing um uh journey? Um so, so things like, uh, as we mentioned, are you, are you looking to address all the strengths and ways of learning that your students might, um, might, might bring up, uh, bring, bring to the classroom? Um, you know, what are, what are your expectations of results? Um, and, right. and what emphasis are you putting on success? So, you know, is, if, if there's a student who, for example, has been engaging in class and, and, and contributes to conversation and, and is very, um, you know, engaged, 
But for some reason, they bombed the test that day. Are we going to take the time to find out what happened that day? Uh, you know, are they, are, do they have issues with test taking? Did somebody die the night before? Like, yeah. in, in, you know, all those, all those things happen. I remember when I was in college, uh, um, I had to take a test and my grandmother had died like two days before. And, and my professor was like, uh, you know, if you want to, take this test later and we can i was like nah be fine i'll take the test i took the test and i failed he's like yeah you're gonna take that again later yeah uh, <laughs> i i know that you know i know that you yeah. know more than this so yeah. so and and so yeah so that was that was an example of someone willing to say like you know extenuating circumstances uh uh sort of deal um i do that i do that very often right that i consistently have students that are just overwhelmed that are that are putting themselves through hell trying to get stuff done and there's always this kind of both and are you doing too much and i'm also pushing care rest exactly rest is a form of resistance exactly Um, i have on multiple occasions a student comes to me because i that's the other part of decolonizing the classroom is you know, if you put your expectations out at the very beginning and encouraging this building a relationship and whatever, whatever you need, when you're having a trouble, you just, and I give them WhatsApp, I give them text, I give them email, I'll give it also another decolonizing practice, multiple ways to connect right? and just talk to me and we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I'm not connect, I'm not attached to your grade. I'm attached to your well-being. And there are countless times that I have changed the students. I know this is what it says in the module online in class that you have to do this assignment and upload it and blah, blah. So just don't worry about that. And I give them something different yeah, that speaks to what we're trying to learn, but in a way that meets the needs of the student. Exactly. And then I just manually grade within the system kind of thing. Exactly. Um, exactly. And I don't, I don't know how many people do that. Um, yeah. Um, and another thing you might want to ask yourself as an institution is how, how, uh, or what kinds of both human and financial resources are you willing to devote to this work? Which is a great segue into headlines, because uh, because you brought this to my attention. Um, uh, Harvard University is committing a hundred million dollars for the creation of a fund to study and redress its extensive entanglements with slavery yep so they're very clear they didn't get to where they are without exploitation of some peoples over the centuries well yes and (laughs) and people have this it's amazing how many people think that either slavery wasn't happening up north or if it right. was not not a lot just here and there well listen as uh, to to quote or paraphrase a uh, uh, comedian w kamau bell about new england boston specifically yeah they got that nice racism up there <laughs> yeah. and i lived there so i can attest to it a little bit uh so so yeah that's 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 very cool right you're you're acknowledging there's an issue but also acknowledging we're going to need to to devote some time and some resources to really figuring out how deep the tendrils of racism and white supremacy cultural norms go into this yeah. and, and how we are, are maintaining those, you know, and you're like, 
well, we don't maintain those at Harvard. We let everybody come be a student here. That's not what it's about. It's not about right, your right. your your admission, right? So 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 I mean that's part of it, but that's not exclusively what it's about. So so yeah. So so they're gonna they're gonna look into that. Um it says for nearly 150 years, I'm pulling out a paragraph here, I'm reading from CNN. From the founding of the university in 1636 until Massachusetts abolished slavery, Harvard presidents and others enslaved more than 70 people, according to this report, which lists, which lists their names. And the university and its donors benefited from the slave trade into the 19th century. Um, quote, well, and I would, I would even mm-hmm. say even till today, because the, the whole structure has been built right? Right. and, it, and right. it's continued on. Well, well, you know, yes, but at least into the 19th century, we had a paper trail. <laughs> right. Now, now it's a lot more, you know, subtle uh, sort of stuff. Um, so the president said, the university president, I believe we bear a moral responsibility to do what we can do to address the persistent corrosive effects of those historical practices of individuals on Harvard and our society. So good for you, Harvard. Yep. Good for you. you. Um, Not good for you is, again, everybody's favorite place, Florida. Um, And we mentioned this, I think, last week where the governor signed the bill. Um, uh, But but the bill, um, I think there's there's another bill. It's called the uh, um, the Stop Woke Act. I can't believe they came up with this name. Stop woke act. Stop the wrongs to our kids and employees. Wow. That's the act. So basically, the 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 bill, um, which um, I think is now signed into law, um, it it bans the introduction of concepts related to sexism, racism, or nationality in classroom teaching and employee training programs. And if you remember. Uh, when he who shall not be named was president, he tried to ban that from federal programs as well, um, uh, training programs that would um, address these things. So if you're not training your employees to address sexism or racism, like how many more people are you hiring for your HR department? Cause, yeah. Because seriously. Uh, so, yeah. So so that's that's Florida. Um, and so I just have to wait, wait, I just, I just, uh, wrongs to our kids and employee. Yes, that is, that is the acronym. That is the acronym. I know. Stop. Stop stop Um, the wrongs to our kids and employees. Stop woke. Yeah. And, and so woke means wrongs to our kids and employees. I yes, yes, yes. We're just, we're just going to leave that there right now. Uh, so this is this is or not <laughs> uh, right. So this is um, so what you're what they're putting. I th- I'm not sure people are connecting the dots. So what they're putting into place, what they're making law, mm-hmm. is segregation. So we had that right. Separate bathrooms, separate restaurants, separate place on the bus, separate entrances, separate you know. Places to go to school, separate. But we're not. But we're not separating people, Reverend Kelly. What do you mean segregation? Right. <laughs> it's just a more, um, more insidious. Right. We are. We are. We are basically saying 
that we will not acknowledge or allow into our classroom and workspaces the and uh, the existence acknowledge the existence of a whole group of people people who are gay bi trans the lgbtq plus community we don't talk about it we're not gonna we're just gonna pretend it didn't happen that they don't exist so even if you are a student and you are coming into a school and you have two moms, two dads, or some other family structure that is not straight mom, straight dad, uh, straight mom, straight dad of the same race or ethnicity, right? We're we're not going to entertain conversations about your family in the classroom, or or at least this is how people are afraid it's going to go, right? Because we throw these laws down. But there's no real specific guidance around how we're going to enforce this, right? So now school counselors, and the Rolling Stone reported this, school counselors are terrified because they're like, if a kid wants to come and talk about or have questions around their sexuality or their identity, we don't know what we can and can't talk about now, right? right? So, the, so the vagueness is going to kill them figuratively and possibly literally yeah and and so i can't even talk about my family right or or maybe you can we don't know yeah we we don't know we don't i'd be an idiot to think that i could right so um yeah so so yeah so 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 this is this is happening um and and there are 16 states that are that are pushing these bills uh and stuff right now um if you if you want um if you go to educationweek.org um and I'll, we'll put the link in the in the chat here they have a great they have this great um um page an article that breaks down in each state, what are the bills that are making their way through um, the, the the various houses, um, pretty much exclusively Republican-controlled houses, the bills that are making their way through the houses at what stages they're at and becoming signed into law. Um, so um, it's, um, are you putting it up or you want me? You want me I, just to put put, I just put it into. Okay, yeah, Education Week. So, so if you live in one of these states, uh, you know, and we won't list them all because they're pretty much a lot. There are a lot of states. Yeah. Uh, you can you can see what's happening and and perhaps then lend your voice, call your representative, call your senator, um, find out where their meetings happen in to to speak out against these horrible discriminatory laws and um, be in action. Um, and and again, doing nothing is part of maintaining that colonization within you and within the the, the system. Okay, so so that's, that's what we're so inviting scary. you to. We're inviting you to do. It's so scary. Yes, 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 it is. Yes, it is. And and I think I mentioned this last week somewhere. It might have been on the show. It might have been on our IG live. It might have been just in general conversation with you. I don't know where or when. Uh, you know, this is the this is very much reminded me of of the the worst before it gets better um, yeah. that applied to um, the 
gender marriage laws, right? Um, right. You know, same-sex marriage, same-gender marriage. We've got to come up with another name for that marriage equality. How about there? Uh, the marriage equality laws uh, that are that are federally the the go-to standard. Every anybody can marry who they want to marry now, right? If you remember back in the day, twenty what was that? Twenty ten into twenty fifteen, because yeah. I think the law passed in twenty fifteen. But those years leading up to it. States were doing the same thing, passing these ridiculous bills and pushing these bills through that mandated that marriage between a man and a woman. And, and eventually, yeah. So, so I sort of see this as the worst, as the, as the, 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 the worst before it gets better. Um, that's, that's, that's the optimist in me because I think they're gonna, cause there's, there, there's no way these laws are going to be implemented in any sort of logical way. Um, and we had an example of we had an example with the with the abortion law recently when a woman was arrested in Texas uh, right. for for a self-induced abortion and and charged. And then the judge released her because they're like, yeah, this this is, you know, and she was ratted out by an employee at, at, at the healthcare facility. Uh, so so like these laws are so ridiculous that they're not really enforceable in a meaningful logical systematic way and it's going to come back to bite them so um well i'm going to hold you to that <laughs> it may it better it, come back to it better it, come back to more listen, than bite them it it may be the shade we don't experience i don't know i'm just saying this this can't be sustainable but uh but we got to bring today we got to bring this uh today to a close um and so the invitation is again always to to be introspective and ask yourself in what ways am I not if in what ways am I as the individual uh, continuing to support uh, the colonization practices and if you don't know what they are great time to go ahead up Dr Google and 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 Google decolonization and see what comes up. Um, and in what ways then can I be a voice in, in my home, in my workplace, in my community um, to, to help shift the system? So if we do want to create a world of love, justice, and equity for all, as is, as is our invitation, um, it, it begins with each and every one of us. So that wraps up episode 28 for today. Um, I don't mean to rush the end, but I got to go do some therapy now. Remember to tell you I had a week. I had yes. A, I had a week. Um, I have to go um, have an appointment with my therapist, do some, do some of my own decolonizing. And I was just going to say decolonizing. Your, put, put in, yeah. put in, yeah, it's, it's a whole thing. But, uh, but as always spread the word about this podcast, uh, whatever platform you're listening on, if you can rate it, uh, drop some comments, that would be great. That gets it some attention, share it, spread the world world word spread the word about us and let's get our holy on we will see you next week let's see you.